once again we enter upon a timelessness. But this time because we are out of time. And the only way forward will be for those who are out of time. Time as we know it is coming to an end. But time as we know it is only his story. And now begins God's story. But God's story is a a moment that is timeless and of changeless solitude. a time in which the real is recognized as the immutable, the supernal and sempiternal light that underlies and pervades all of the illusion called time. And we are entering God's story because God, seeing the monstrousness of the world and the impotence of human beings to tame and control the evil forces that have been let loose by the ego, is taking manual control over the flow of destiny. As God has promised to do and is the essence of every religious prophecy. In this time out of time, in which timelessness and time are superposed, once more the impossible becomes real. And the miraculous becomes the norm. And the ending of time will allow a new beginning. But because God does not enter into time, God's story is only a blink of timelessness between the omega point and the alpha. God's only purpose is to reawaken us all to our divine nature that we carry the light of God and we must sit on the throne that will create a new age 
that will be our story. No longer his story of the male ego and its patriarchy that brought the oppressive structures into time. But our story, once we have been divinized and de-egoized, will be a world of love, of beauty, of joy, of generosity, of divine communitarianism, and of a miraculous nature, because the world is recognized as a world of light, of structures that appear within the changeless, immutable solitude of God's presence. and all is sacred. But in the coming our story, we shall be given again the ultimate freedom to develop all of the possibilities of human creativity in its divine form. And it is inevitable that one of the elements of those creativities will be a subset called the human soul, which will be a vehicle to remember in the long duration of time the gift of God's arrival, the gift of the dream of the kingdom of heaven. And yet that very vehicle of the soul is the end of our story and the beginning of her story. Because the soul and her divine feminine nature creates a beauty, but a beauty that clings to the natural world, the world of multiplicity, the world of objective beauty. And in that love, the world itself becomes more dense. Matter makes the world into matter. And once the world enters into a material framework of time and space, then the soul inevitably, as all mothers do, gives birth to the ego once again. But they live together happily, although not ever after. And together the soul and the ego create their story. And their story we call the Copper Age, in which the Divine Feminine and the Divine Masculine live as the twin towers and powers.
of a world that, though polarized, becomes the embodiment of a dance of Shiva and Shakti once again. And yet inevitably, because mothers always let their children go first, the male ego extracts itself and chooses to rule over mother as the son always does and creates once more a new history. The movement from their story to history is the movement from mantram to monstrum. <laughs> because in that early time when the divine feminine still ruled, the mind of God could be recognized as the shelter and as the overarching home in which we dwell in peace. And so the mantram, as that precipitate of the mind of God, became the guiding and governing element of society, which produced a tier of society based in that wisdom, which is always nonviolent and loving and expresses in action, in thought, in word, in meditative contemplation of God, that changeless solitude which remains at the heart of the world. And the world was guided by the mantra of God for centuries. But at the beginning of history, the male ego, in its struggle for supremacy, chose to enter into another kind of mind. And the monstrum literally means a bad mind, a mind separated from God. And it showed itself in its actions of monstrous repudiation of love <coughs> and surrender and all of the values of that earlier civilization. And so its rivers dried up and its culture disappeared and all that was left of it was buried and fell beneath the sea and beneath the memory of the soul. Until there were only conflicts between male egos for dominance over all the different fracturing kingdoms of the world. Like the howling monkeys, the male egos struggled to be seen 
and to show themselves in ever more monstrous forms that would intimidate the other. To the point that the very word for showing became that of the monster, the word mostrar in Spanish, it's in French, it's in many languages, comes from monster because everything that was shown was monstrous, because no longer godly, but the demons had taken over the world, the demons of the ego. But those demonic monsters reached a point where their destructive power inevitably became so great that they destroyed themselves and brought an end once more to history. And because there were a few remnants who were still capable of gratitude and of singing mantras once again, God took pity and in his mercy offered a refuge in that time of the death of the great titanic monsters of the world so that a new age of the divine godly beauty of our story could be written once more. To accomplish this, God must somehow invoke that which is most pure in those seekers to overcome their inner monsters, to slay the ego. and become beings of light. A light capable of surviving and counteracting the effects of radioactivity and otherwise immune to the monstrous events of the cataclysmic apocalyptic moment which brings down the curtain on this monstrous history and allows the kingdom of heaven to be born. This can only be accomplished by a tiny remnant of beings who do not even reach the radar screen of those monsters who would squash all life, all goodness, all joy. And so they must be hidden away in mountains, in insignificant lands, to be able to grow and thrive and reach such a point where after the fall of those monstrous evil societies, a new world can blossom.
but it can happen only if we are once again upon the timelessness of God's presence and dwell in the silence of the miraculous, of the egoless, of the purity. of that which does not pertain to any world, but to the source that is always beyond, the source that never touches into history, that never enters into time, that never enters into the illusion of multiplicity and otherness, that never projects its own demons upon the other and enters into the deadlock of mortal combat. But only that pure mind of infinite and eternal solitude, only in the mind of God, Can this nightmare be redreamed in that way which alone will fulfill the deepest desires of our hearts? And so it is time to make that anabasis, that journey into our interior, until we return to the mind and heart of God and bring the power and the beauty of that true self into full manifestation together. This is the moment when time meets timelessness. And in which the surrender to the timeless one in gratitude for the goodness that alone can save our world is granted to those who sacrifice all for the presence of God. Maybe we be those blessed beings who realize the urgent imperative of this unique, all-powerful moment <laughs> in which the light of the ego is going out and the light of God returns. Namaste. Thank you, Shiva.